Welcome back to the Darting Through the Faith <laughs> podcast. I am Father Sean Wilson. With me is Julia Monin. <laughs> and welcome, Julia. Thank you, Father Sean. How goes it this fine Monday? It's great. It's yeah. great. Today, we're recording this on October the 4th, the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you, who is the patron saint of, uh, of those that send emails to too many people at once? Who is the patron saint of those, those that sell emails to too many people at once? I didn't word that terribly well. I'm sorry. St. Francis of CC. Get it? Like carbon <laughs> copy? <laughs> Couple things. One, it took me a second to realize this was probably a joke. Yeah. Because at first I'm like, is there? <laughs> like, is that a thing? Yeah. There's patron saints for everything. <clears throat> there is. But then, I, but then I realized, oh, this is a joke and I'm yeah. just going to have some corny punchline. That did not disappoint. You're welcome, <laughs> I guess. C, C. Yeah, shout out to Adam Fonke. Adam sent me that today. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, shout out, Adam. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Way to encourage it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Adam's a dad, so yeah, he just, accurate. you know, he got a good chuckle out of it, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. What else, though, in all honesty, t- like enlighten us a little bit about this great saint on this day. Whew, how much time you got? Well, just do a podcast on St. Francis well, of Assisi. We could. Um, just give us like give us like the heart. Like why why is he so great? Like what makes him so great? Uh quite possibly one of the most perfect imitations of Jesus Christ that's mm. ever walked the earth. Mm. He gathers these bands, this band of followers much like Christ. He he some of the things that just delight me the most is that Christ is so real for him that he he is the originator of a couple devotions. So the first nativity scene known to humanity was done by St. Francis of Assisi, a live nativity scene, because he wanted to experience what Bethlehem was like. Like the humanity of Christ was so real to him that he want he he these devotions popped up and they've continued through him. Mm-hmm. And another one being the stations of the cross, right? To walk the path of Christ's suffering and death. St. Francis of Assisi mm-hmm. was the one of, of journeying that, that road with Christ regularly. So, so we get two of those great devotions because he did such an incredible imitation of Christ. Mm. And so really um, was a revolutionary in the church. Not in the revolutionary of like, let's burn this down and restart, but like, let's have radical fidelity to the gospel way of life, and especially in poverty, you know, mm-hmm. especially clinging to nothing except Christ and, um, and living that life. So I think that word is what always comes up with me, this radical, like sure. just heroic virtue. Again, especially in, in this uh yeah. this poverty and how he how he lived that. And to know what he came from, that he came mm. from wealth. Yeah, from Pietro Bernadone, his oh, that's dad. Very good, yeah. Pietro Bernadone was a mm-hmm. cloth merchant, mm-hmm. right? And his dad, of course, gave his son so much. Um, and wanted him to live this life and had mm-hmm. a plan for him. And they had this shop. And eventually Francis had to say, no, dad, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And his dad was like, well, every, every, all you have belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And do you know what Francis's answer to that was? Mm-hmm. In the town square, mm-hmm. takes off all of his clothes to mm-hmm. say he's dead to the world. Mm-hmm. There he is, nootsie tootsie, mm-hmm. in the middle of the town square. Mm-hmm. And the bishop covers him in his cloak mm-hmm. as if he's being clothed by the church now. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Radical, radical, <clears throat> radical. But to think of that, like that nakedness. life, like he, without shame, he came, he came from wealth, and mm-hmm. the Lord showed him, this isn't where true happiness comes from. This isn't where I yeah. am in the midst of all of this. And anyway, he got like a, you know, like founders of orders or foundresses of religious orders. 
is it Elijah in the scripture where we hear they get like a double portion? Elijah got a double mm-hmm. portion of the spirit. Anyway, you see that. Yeah. In in founders and foundresses. Like mm-hmm. they they emulate whatever the Lord is raising up through them, whatever charism the Lord is raising up through this particular order, they they get a radical portion of it, it seems mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Anyway. It's crazy. Saint Francis. Pray for us. Amen. We should speaking of praying, we should pray now. Sounds good. In the, name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the example of the saints. And in a special way, we thank you for the saints that we'll encounter in the gospel today and ask that you may send forth the Holy Spirit upon us, upon all those hearing, upon all of those helping to produce and spread this podcast, that we may all be strengthened by the example of the saints and the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We trust this time to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and Pope St. John Paul II, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are going this week to John 13. Lucky number 13. John 13. I was really excited to get back into the John reading, so I mm-hmm. already expressed that. But this was this is good stuff. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. I actually, we should have probably had a discussion like before. I didn't ask like how you actually want to approach this. Mm, carefully, <laughs> prayerfully. See, these would be people who are actual professionals at such a thing as podcasting that they probably take the time to have discussions about, you know, how are we approaching this, this topic? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. We did not do that. No, I mean, we did not. <laughs> So anyway, we did do a little reading. Uh, we pulled this book out that you've had that we've used in the past when we've been talking about um, John's mm-hmm. John's gospel, Mary's voice in the gospel according to John. So we have a little reflection on that in 13, which was awesome. Yeah. So yeah. good. Wasn't that? So good. That like whole John Henry Newman part mm-hmm. about, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. So we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, we will. So do you want to like dive into that? You just want to go like paragraph by paragraph in this John 13? What, what are we doing here? You want to give us an overview, like what actually is in John 13? Well, it's the start. So um, it's the start of the Last Supper discourse. So it's going to start with before the Feast of Passover. So this is this is right around the time of Passover. Jesus is going to have five chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, where he's in this Last Supper discourse teaching his beloved disciples for the last time. So it's his farewell speech. It's, it's, uh, and so this is just the start of it. So there's still a little bit of, still a little bit of action, not just pure teaching, right? Mm-hmm. This, we're going to get, see Jesus wash his disciples' feet. We're going to have a whole interaction between Jesus, Jesus and Judas, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then the prediction of Peter's denial. So I guess that's kind of the gist of what we're in for, mm-hmm. and then some real, um, some real famous words in there mm. um, that you know the new commandment that Jesus gives his followers, and mm-hmm. we're going to wash some feet, mm-hmm. which is so perfect. I mean, like last week, burning bush, talking about feet, take off your shoes. This week, Saint Francis of Assisi's feast day. Saint Francis, the barefoot saint of Assisi. Mm. Boom. Oh, he did. Barefoot. He put his barefoot up on the table. Yeah. No, this is yeah. a human foot, not a oh. barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Is it? Is it? That's so corny. Oh, they're both rolling their eyes, which means you nailed it. <laughs> when it comes to the level of corniness, it's yes. not a barefoot. Get it? It's a human foot. <laughs> We are all shoeless in the studio today. FYI. Thanks for breaking that down, Julia. <laughs> Listen. I know. I, mean, this I know. That's what I'm here for. You're doing a great job. I don't know what job. else I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway. All right. On that note, yes, to Providence. The Providence. Yeah. The burning bush. The barefoot saint of Assisi. And, and Jesus washing, washing his disciples' feet. feet. It is like someone else is throwing that dart. It is. One hand threw the dart, another hand guided it. Uh-huh. That's right. That's that's becoming our official tagline yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. That's, I love it. Uh-huh. All right. So Jesus is putting on the apron and going to work. So should we read this? Do you think we should read all this whole thing and then comment, stop, break? Yeah, you want to? All right. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. Mm. Probably enough to, to chew on for sure. you know the rest of your life. Right. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's a whole <clears throat> lot. And this kind of becomes a, a theme in John's gospel that Jesus is fully conscious of what he's doing, right? There's not like just a, there's not a coincidence in, in Christ. Like he is fully aware as we hear, like he's, there's this intentionality that he's, that he's doing what, what exactly he's doing, that it's not just nothing there is by happenstance. And so he's fully cognizant of what's, what's going on. What about these, these, um, these, these beautiful words, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. Yeah. So like this idea of, um, yeah, and pull that out, what was in this book, because mm-hmm. that was so good. But this idea that this is like the fulfillment, this is the fulfillment, by the way, this is the fulfillment of time, right? This is coming. It was all pointing here to this time. We've talked about God's providence and the timing of everything. And here now we're at this fulfillment of it. And Jesus, again, is recognizing that. These aren't like coincidences. He's intentional. He knows what's going on. And then calling out those words, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them completely Mm -hmm. is another translation like this total all-consuming love that he has Mm -hmm. and i think literally it's to the to the end Mm -hmm. like it's translated here but in another way to translate that is completely like Mm -hmm. there was there was no lack of love in christ and uh and that becomes a you know on display as he dies for them right yeah and no servant has greater love than to lay down his life for his friends right that's the Mm -hmm. complete love of jesus christ so he's talking. This author is this. Who is this again? Michael. Okay, Pack-a-luck. that's right. Okay, good Rhymes thing I with didn't. Pack a lunch. Doesn't rhyme. <laughs> does it? But is that accurate? Something similar. So okay. So where in here does he talk about sounds these? Like when you're praying charades. Uh huh. Yeah, sounds like. Sounds like okay. So he talks about this um, this veiled language that John uses. Mm. I just loved that phrase, veiled language, because it's talking about how. Um, it's commonly held that the Last Supper is omitted by John, but this author is saying, but I think this is mistaken, and he tends to allude to it here. And so he's saying that this phrase, he loved them completely, he loved mm-hmm. them to the end, is this veiled language pointing to this consummation that's yeah. happening, that this is what's actually happening here, and this is pointing that John did not omit the Last Supper, this is just the veiled language he uses. And then, you know, to think about that, because that I think that was mentioned in here also about how the Lord, um, you know, this mysterious, like the mystery of Christ and um, how God in Scripture unfolds himself. Okay. 
so this is later on in this, in, in just a second, what we're going to get to in John 13 and 7 through 9, where he says to Peter, what I am doing now, you do not understand, right? And this idea that Christ is purposely concealing this knowledge because he's intending it should be enjoyed, but not all at once. And that this mm. is pretty consistent with how God unveils things in scripture and in our lives as well. He dispenses his blessings upon us silently and secretly so that we do not discern them at the time, except by faith afterwards only. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that also kind of reminded me of what he's saying about this veiled language, sure. that it's all there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we see, but we do not understand. And there's a reason for that, right. right? And actually what you get in the gospel is almost like a mature reflection onto what's happened, right? Because John, as he's writing these words down, of course, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has had time to reflect upon it, mm. right? To look back and to realize what the Lord was doing mm. at that point. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. So mm. he's washing his disciples' feet, and um, and then and there's this whole beautiful part in the the commentary about he's washing all of their feet, mm. including Judas's, mm. which is really interesting to think like that the Lord is still serving Judas, that he's not he's not at still to this point the very end he's not giving up on Judas right. yet. And that, like this extreme tenderness that mm-hmm. um, they think Judas doesn't deserve, mm-hmm. he's still offering to him. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, the image of Jesus washing Judas's feet is incredible. Absolutely, and that's pointing out in this book, which again is Mary's voice in the gospel according to John. So this author is pointing out this is where we see Mary's voice mm-hmm. in this, in John, in this tenderness of Christ, right. um, where we see this beautiful quote, mercy possessing this kind of concreteness is characteristic of a woman's maternal gift. Oh, yeah. So we're seeing this mercy of Christ, and we're seeing we're seeing Mary through that, being mm-hmm. played out in that. Um, and it even talks yeah. about Jesus watching Mary, at, you know, for the house guests sure. washing their feet, and he's imitating his mother's care and concern for the disciples Mm -hmm. in the foot washing, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful. And what about the parallel it points out in this commentary as well about um, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, anointing the Lord's feet? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's good stuff too. Yeah, there's a great connection. I never Mm -hmm. thought about that. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't the first time somebody's feet's been washed. Right. No. right. Yeah. And so he's pointing out there, um, yeah, consider that parallel in the simplicity and intimacy of this detail— Presumably difficult for a man to disclose, we hear the oversound of Mary's voice. Mm-hmm. So this is where they're talking about that that parallel. The simplicity, the intimacy of this detail, presumably difficult for a man to disclose. We see that pouring out. Right. You can imagine Mary reminding John of that. Like, don't forget, you remember him washing Judas's feet mm-hmm. and how much care and intention he took with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Simon Peter mm-hmm. doesn't exactly... Get what's going on. So he comes to Simon Peter. We're continuing through the gospel. Yeah. Verse six. He came to okay. Simon Peter, mm-hmm. who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus said to him, whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over, so you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. Mm. 
So we have this perhaps humility of Peter, maybe, because this is a this is a humbling thing for someone to wash someone else's feet. Right. And Peter recognizing that you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, you're the one to come. You're not going to wash my feet, right? Yeah. You're not being serious, right? So we see that boldness, and then Jesus explaining him to, like explaining that to him, comforting him in that, saying, "What well, you don't understand this now, but you will understand later. I, this needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I need to do it. Well, then just do everything. You're if right. this needs to happen, well, then I'm all in. Yeah, yeah. Give me everything. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, of course, Jesus responding to that so beautifully that if your feet are washed, you're clean all over, right? right. A baby chuckle as I was reading it today. I'm like, how? Like an astute young child who really knew their scripture could use that on mom or dad if they mm-hmm. don't want to take a bath or take a shower. Right. If I've washed my feet, I'm clean all over, mom. It says right here. Yeah. Jesus says it right here. I often think about that with my hands. Like, oh, I've washed my hands today. I don't need to shower. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is approximately a junior high boy that I think of that would use that argument with their parents. So. Ouch. Yeah. Right. I just wash my feet. I'm clean all over. That's right. I'm good. And so, but you wonder like, why was it only that Peter who objected? And that was brought up, you know, and I guess this, a lot of the Mm. saints have reflected on this Mm. as to why it was Peter who was, who was, um, the one that objected and, and who knows why that is, but let's, there's a lot of answers for that, but maybe let's just leave that one for the people. Why was it Peter that objected? Sure. And we'll go from there. Sounds good. So when he had washed their feet, in verse 12, and put his garments back on and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for so indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who has sent him. If you understand this, blessed are you if you do it. I am not speaking of all of you. I know those whom I have chosen, but so that the scripture might be fulfilled, the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Mm. So there's a whole lot going on. So that just paragraph there. So that was 12 through 20. Starts Jesus putting his garments back on, ready to go, and asking this question, do you realize what I have done for you? Mm-hmm. And, man, that's like a question we should always invite Jesus to pose to us. Sure. Do you realize what I have done for you? Mm. And that... Um, maybe the the most honest answer all the time is I'm trying to, mm. right? Like the, we're honestly trying to, but we're never going to be able to to recognize all that he has he has done for us. But that's just a, a beautiful question that the Lord poses, and notice nobody answers it, right? That you could just imagine, like, uh, yes, no, right? yes, yes, uh, but no, seems important. <laughs> I know my feet are clean. Yeah, yeah. So of course him calling out I've I've set the example as I've done you are to do also again mm-hmm. no servant is greater than his master um, and then I I really love this part too of if you understand this blessed are you if you do it mm. like if you are if you're actually grasping this if you're actually making these connections and understanding this that you're not greater than I and I'm washing your feet blessed are you if you do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And we hear that call. This is it's it's more than just a belief in your heart or an understanding in your mind. Your actions you will prove do it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a common saying in my house right now with my little guy. We say, we say, sorry. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, part of being sorry is changing how you act. So right. don't do it again. Act like you're sorry. <laughs> act like you're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> is that harsh? He is only three. Anyway, we're working on it. We're yeah. working on it. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Then did you get, did you get this um, connection here with um, the burning bush? I am. How about that? How about that? Right? Jesus takes that same name. He puts it upon himself, mm-hmm. like this claim to divinity, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. Mm-hmm. So he's predicting that they're going to torture him. You know, he's going he's gonna to die. But that will be a sign that he is God, mm-hmm. that he is the Lord walking among them. Mm-hmm. What? And then there's even and then there's even this um the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. Mm. So it's it's interesting that Jesus refers to eating the food, right? He just doesn't say the one who heard my voice, the one who's followed me, but the one who ate my food. So presumably this happens after the institution of the Eucharist. Mm. That Judas has just received the holy, the holy Eucharist as one of the first people ever mm-hmm. to eat the flesh and drink the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and now he raises his heel against mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he's the first one to kind of take the Eucharist and then not live in accordance with it. So, and even that word "eating" they point out is the same verb that's used in John chapter six. The one who's gnawed, right? We've mm-hmm. probably talked about that. John chapter six it talks about gnawing on the flesh, and that's that's what's here. So, the one who's gnaw, gnawed with me, gnawed mm-hmm. with me. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. Gnawn with me. Mm-hmm. Silent, sure. silent G. <laughs> uh, right. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, this continues, because continuing on the same line, this continues in verse 21. After saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, Very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he was speaking. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So while reclining next to Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. After he received the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, Do quickly what you are going to do. Now, no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the common purse, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. So we're hearing about Jesus being troubled in spirit after this is happening. You're saying this after this institution of the Eucharist and Satan entering Judas and it's happening amongst his own disciples. The one at table with him is the one who's going to betray him. And Jesus is pitied by that. And I loved this in this commentary we read where it's calling out some of St. Augustine's writings that said that Jesus is troubled by pity for Judas. False brethren cannot be cut off even in the most urgent necessity without tr- the troubling of the church. This reality that this isn't just a simple thing right? to just say, well, I'm done with you. See ya. Bye. Right. <laughs> um, and that's already troubling the Lord Jesus at his core. Yeah. That there's, that it's not like, it's not whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like it actually, I'm, tr- I'm there was a word that I had that it's, it's fluttered away by now, but mm-hmm. the, that this really does. Tr- yeah, I know. Go. <laughs> Um, that it really does trouble our Lord that people 
abandon him, that mm-hmm. people leave, that people, and it, and it, it, it cuts his heart, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, it tears him up inside that people abandon the, the fullness of life that he presents for, for him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a great way to see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a painful way, right? To see the world as people who don't know Jesus Christ, maybe some who have turned their back on him. It's a whole lot easier to be indifferent. That was the word. Like Jesus is not indifferent to Judas's betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. He just doesn't think this is a, this is logically what needs to happen for me to suffer and die. But it's actually Judas as a person mm-hmm. who is making this choice and allowing himself to be induced by the devil mm-hmm. that tears our Lord apart, mm-hmm. that he wishes it wouldn't have happened. But um, as much as he keeps offering and reaching out, being the good shepherd, Judas has been, Judas is following the dark path, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that's the very end of what you just read. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was night. And it was night. And that's not just like John saying, oh yeah, that's the time of day. Like that's the setting because constantly throughout the gospel of John, Jesus is the light of the world, mm-hmm. right? He's the light of the world that shines in the darkness. He's God from God, light from light. And now... Judas has walked away from the light of the world. Not mm-hmm. just that it was night outside, but it was a description of the state of his soul mm-hmm. was darkness. Mm-hmm. That hurts. Ouchies. Yeah. <laughs> there, Ouchies, huh? There is a, uh, definitely a more mature way to put that. But mm-hmm. when I love that, the reality too, that, you know, even within the context of, of you know our own parish communities our own church communities sometimes you want to just like cut people out like Mm. like get like you are so far from truth and reality and reason and morals and i need you out of this church now right (laughs) and this is a reminder to all of us too that it's not just that easy like we shouldn't be indifferent to this because every time we're one body and every time one of us chooses this dark path it hurts all of us Right. right so we can't be just so quick to say you know what you don't quite fit the mold here, so see you later. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not that simple. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. But when he goes, Christ has some words. Mm. When he had left, verse 31, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say it to you. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Mm. So this is the glory, right? This sets in path the glorification of the Lord. And... um, and this incredible splendor. And, and the commentary notes four kinds of glory that St. Thomas Aquinas notices. The cross, his power to judge, the resurrection, and being known through faith of the people. That this mm. is the glory of God is salvation, basically. Mm-hmm. That Christ wins on the cross and through his, his resurrection and also for people being drawn into the faith. Like this is, this is glory. It doesn't seem like glory. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to die. There's going to be a whole lot of blood. And yet that's how God is glorified. It's a whole inversion of how we normally think of the glory of God, not bright lights and trumpet sounds, but death and silence and sadness. This offering. Yeah. This perfect offering. Of right? the sun. Right? Yeah. This perfect offering. Right. Mm. Okay. And I love mm. how he calls them my children. Right? Like the apostles. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you think Peter's like 50 years old and there's mm-hmm. a 30-year-old man saying, my child. Mm-hmm. 
I will be with you only a little while longer. Like he mm-hmm. still treats him like he's young and, and Peter's going to show that he kind of still needs to be treated like he's mm-hmm. young and, mm-hmm. you know, we could all kind of join the club. Yes. <laughs> um, but he gives this new commandment. You think what's new about this commandment? Because in the old Testament, it says love one another as, as you would love yourself. Mm-hmm. And the new commandment is love one another, not as you love yourself, but as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. So our love for each other is not supposed to be basically how we would like to be treated but it's actually how we've been treated by God. Mm-hmm. And that becomes like the, the, the fundamental criteria is mm-hmm. that Christ has first loved us, and so we should love each other in a similar way. And John's going to pick up that in his letters, right? Same theme's going to be hit, which is how you know the same person wrote the Gospel of John and the letters of John. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of will circles back to what we were talking about at the beginning with this being today, the day we're recording the feast day of St. Francis, mm. and that, that he was imitating Christ. It wasn't just he was setting out and he was charitable to others and he was taking these, uh, you know, these social stands and, and doing these things. He was imitating Christ mm-hmm. himself, right? Loving others as Christ had loved him, meeting other people as Christ had met him in his in his brokenness, in his despair, in his um, in his worldliness, he was a very worldly young person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so he was able to imitate that in his own life as well. As I have loved you, love one another as I have loved you. Hmm. Yep. All right, and then it closes with the the prediction of Peter's denial. You see again Peter's excitement, his eagerness. Mm-hmm. Right? Simon Peter said to him, "Master, where are you going?" Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me, though you will follow later. Peter said to him, Master, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Amen, amen, I say to you, the cock will crow before you deny me three times. Mm. That has to hit Peter like a, like a big old heavy thing. This was this is like a perfect there's so much to ponder here in this reality of mm-hmm. Peter and like you said his enthusiasm his excitement his where are you going right right and why the heck can't I go with you mm-hmm. right and this reality of um in the translation in this book we read which was really great by the way what translation is that his own oh yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> like this is so different it's yeah. a really great translation okay um what the, in this translation lord peter Lord, Peter says to him, what is the reason that I cannot follow you right now? Like right now, like I'm ready to go. Let's go, right? And this reality of Peter is not, in his mind, Peter is where he need, where he thinks he needs to be. Yeah. But again, where we talk about these actions and the actions of our lives matter. And and I'm sure there was this longing on Jesus's part too, to have Peter there with him, to right. not be separated from Peter for even a second. Mm-hmm. But Jesus knowing the reality of where his heart was and saying, are you? And yeah. it's not a question of like, like a, like a dig at him. It's just, you're not, you're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And, and you're about to see for yourself what I right. mean, right? When the, when the rubber meets the road, you're about to see what I mean by this. Yeah. And that is part of the path of faith though. Yes. It's the, the journey that all of us are on. Mm-hmm. Like at some point there is this eagerness to say, I want to do this. I want to, I want to die for Christ. Mm-hmm. I want to do all of this. Mm-hmm. And then we have this recognition that, oh, Actually, I'm not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like Peter has to face this. Like he he has this ideal, this desire to do this, to follow our Lord. And then he faces the reality of, yeah, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. But the Lord can work with that, right? Mm-hmm. This desire to follow him, this desire to be this great saint and a martyr and to die alongside of him. 
the Lord worked with that. It mm-hmm. wasn't as if Peter had to turn to self-hatred because he didn't. Mm-hmm. He just simply had to he simply had to return to the Lord as as, as is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a whole lot of good news. And this is like, this is a stage, I think, on all of our paths. Yep. And it's a stage that maybe we come back to multiple times of this stage of, I want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And we realize what the Lord is maybe inviting us to do. Mm-hmm. And we want, we have that desire to do that, but yet we're still like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And we have to return to the Lord in mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not, we're not quite we're not quite as ready as what we think we are. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of different levels to that. Um, and sometimes too, like just to, to receive something the Lord is giving, like our souls need to be um, predisposed to receive it in right. a way that they're, they're perhaps just not mm-hmm. there yet either. Right. Um, but the Lord's so patient with yes, us, right? So the Lord, when he, when mm-hmm. he comes back and has that conversation with Peter, he's like, Hey, Peter, remember that one time when you said you were going <laughs> to follow me and you're going to die with me? You seem to still be alive, right? Like he doesn't shove his face in it. I told he says, you so. He's like, you know, and when he comes back yeah. for Peter, he says, Peter, feed my mm-hmm. sheep, right? Do you love me? Mm-hmm. Feed my sheep. He doesn't say, do you love me? <laughs> Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Right? Like he's he's so patient. And mm-hmm. that's that tenderness that comes through so clearly in John's gospel. He's mm-hmm. so kind, so understanding, and just like that, that good father figure, even the maternal aspect coming through to encourage his children, right? Yeah. So absolutely. And so let's be be eager. This is a good mm-hmm. thing to be eager for right. the Lord. And also recognize that as the Lord is going to prepare us that for these bigger, perhaps, maybe, I don't know, bigger sacrifices that we're eager to to make for him and to offer to him, he'll he'll prepare us for that by smaller ones. Mm-hmm. And we're not so quick to take those on in our ordinary everyday life. Sure. Think about Maximilian Colby and, and how he offered his life and he died in this starvation bunker. How many days was he in there? I want to say it was like 14 or something. Something crazy. Ridiculous. And then they had to end up like injecting him, Carbolic right? Acid. Yeah, right, to kill him because it, even that starvation didn't kill him. But anyway, it was not like he went from this young boy to now he's in this starvation bunker over on night. There were all these sacrifices, mm-hmm. perhaps even some that were a heck of a lot not perhaps there are, you know, all these smaller ones he was making along the way that were preparing sure. him for that one. So we need to be better at cooperating with the smaller sacrifices, mm-hmm. have this zeal, this eagerness to serve him, to sacrifice for him um, and prove that by how we're sacrificing in the little ways, perhaps. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Seems good. Yeah. Okay. Right? Good. So we can cross this one off the dartboard, mm-hmm. John 13, but um, we pre through the dark for next week, mm-hmm. and that is going to be about incense. Mm-hmm. So some smoking next week <laughs> right. is in store for everybody. Right. So we recorded. We're recording two today. Get a pack today. of Marlboro Reds, maybe a cigar <laughs> or a pipe, and offer a burnt that? offering. What do they call that in the Lord of the Rings? The smoking that they do in Toby. <laughs> Toby, yeah. Hearing it from the from the gallery. From the expert. <laughs> I I actually threw the dart last week. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were off camera yeah, and, uh, we're recording two today. So we needed to kind of know where we we're going. It only took me like 10 throws. Oh, that's, it was fewer than that. Although there's four darts in here and I think I, no, there's six. And I think I went through two bucketfuls. <sighs> it took me at least that many. Pray. Let's pray. Oh, wait. Okay. You know what? Can I, let's pray with, um, just the end of that again, that powerful note that we ended on this, this dialogue with, uh, with Peter and Jesus, and in doing so, encourage ourselves to take this to prayer as well. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, 
Why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. <laughs> 